Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Title Sound Packers podcast. I'm here with Braun, as always, and we're back to discuss the Packers' win over the Chicago Bears on Sunday that clinched them the number one seed in the NFC. And uh, later on, we'll be joined by a, a breakout star from the Chicago Bears game, Mr. Dominique Daphne. He'll be joining us to talk about his role in the offense and uh, how he feels as the Packers look to make their playoff run. But uh, before we get to that, we're going to talk about this game. And uh, oh, there's no game to look forward to this week. How about that? We got the only only bye week in the NFC. Bron, how are we feeling about that? You know, I'm feeling great. The one thing that I'll say about this team is that, you know, every year we talk about, you know, this is it for us. This year we're going to do it. But this year feels like our year more than any other year. And I say that because of how well the quarterback's playing, because of how well the defense is coming along, and, and just the vibe of the team overall. And, you know, I can't wait to talk about this game with you, Griffiths. It was a great one. Yes, it really does feel like uh, it really does feel like the Packers year. They just look they just week in week out. What more can you say about this offense? They look so efficient every week and uh, we're really taking it for granted. Rodgers had another four touchdown game. I feel like no one even noticed. No one even talks about this stuff anymore because he's just doing it every week. Uh, 48 touchdowns on the year for Rodgers. Was hoping he could get to 50 somehow. But, uh, you know, I'll take 48. 51 total, so that's nice. But, you know, what can you say about Rodgers? He's going to win the MVP. He's third of his career. And it's just it, I'm just so happy to see him playing back at the elite level that uh, we, we got used to as Packer fans. But uh, this offense, it looks like they're the best offense in the NFC. That was clear, you know, maybe a month ago. And it's just, it's uh, much more clear now. It's hard to argue at this point. And they get the bye week. They deserve the bye week because I believe they're the best team in the NFC. We truly are. If you look at everything we've done um, and the way we ended the season, especially, uh, it would have felt wrong if another team had ended up with the, with that number one seed. Um, just because of, of what we were able to do, like I said, um, and, and this game, it, it was a statement uh, coming after a statement win against a playoff team as well in the Titans. So these two games back to back really solidified, I think, who we are as a team and where we're headed. If we would have found a way to lose to Chicago and that Seattle ends up with the number one seed. That would have just been <laughs> that would have been that would have been so pathetic. It would have felt like a wasted year just because we're the we're clearly better than Seattle. I mean, we're watching Seattle struggle against C.J. Beathard and the 49ers having to pull out late fourth quarter comebacks down two scores. They just they look like a mess. The Saints, I don't know what you make of them. Uh, then the Rams, they look like a mess. It's it's really the Packers, the Saints, and the Bucks at this point. I'd say are the real the real NFC contenders. And I think I think at this point we're better than all those teams, especially in Green Bay. I don't think either of those teams are gonna be able to play as well as they as well as they can at a dome in Green Bay. Especially Drew Brees, his noodle arm. You know Tom Brady, he's he's pretty used to the cold weather. But I don't know about the rest of that Bucks roster. So I, I'm maybe I'm getting getting a little ahead of myself here, but I'm really excited about the Packers' chances in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely feel that way, especially like I said, the way we're playing, and and like you mentioned as well, the way other teams are playing. You feel good, and and you should. But you know, I'm excited, Griff. Let's talk about this uh, this game where we really handled business in a big way against a team that we beat, a hungry team. Uh, there were concerns about a potential, you know, a rebound for them. They've been playing hot. And we go out and play extremely well on both sides of the ball. And, you know, it, it was a great win. It really was. It was just, like I said at the top of the show, 
more of what we've seen from this offense. And it's it, we're just repeating ourselves every week because every week they come out and they're great, and it, it looks like no defense can stop them. And this Bears defense, they, that's a good defense. People like to talk about how the Packers didn't have any competition this year. Uh, the Bears defense is pretty good against most NFL offenses, and we made them look like uh, like toast. Rodgers started the game 10 of 10, 155 yards and three touchdowns. He would have started the game, oh God, he would have started the game 12 of 12 for over 200 yards and four touchdowns. If uh, if MVS was a better a better catcher of the football, but it you know that's been eating away at me all week. That fact, yeah, twelve of twelve over two hundred yards, four touchdowns. That would have been like one of those iconic stat lines that everyone shares on Twitter, like Brady, Randy Moss. They all have those stat lines. Yeah, I mean, look with with MVS, and we can get into this now, but he he's got to make those plays. He would have had a real spectacular performance if he was able to get a second touchdown and add another 50 plus yards to that. Uh, of course he made that one excellent play by Rogers um, where Rogers floats a ball over Danny Trevathan and goes all the way 72 yard touchdown MVS puts up the peace sign and it's over. Um, and you know, that, that one was similar that up the sideline that he just dropped and you thought he had it in his hands looking at the TV copy. And when he, after, you know, the ball hits his hands, it looks like he caught it. And then you see the ball fall out, and it's just so reminiscent of, of some of the plays that he's had this year where the ball just – he can't come down with some of these catches that are right in his hands. And, of course, it's a problem. Um, he's just going to have to make those plays, and we're going to have to hope that it doesn't come back to hurt us um, if one of those does fall through his hands once again. It's just – it's such a roller coaster with this guy, man. It's a roller coaster week to week. It's a roller coaster snap to snap. It's, it's like – so on his first touchdown, his his touchdown, the the Bears sent a blitz. They left Danny Trevathan on him, their slowest linebacker to cover our fastest receiver. And everyone's like, why would they do that? What are the Bears thinking? It's like letting a center shoot a three in basketball. It's like, oh, let him shoot, let him shoot. You know, we'll take our chances because there's a good chance he's going to drop it. And, and you know, it came back to bite us later on in the game. And when he dropped that pass, I was I was not a happy man. I was pretty upset. But you know, it's like. It's it's so hard with him because he's open so often. He's faster than pretty much anyone else on the field. He's he's gonna get open. So it's not it's I don't know if you can just stop throwing to him. If he's gonna catch he catches most of them. So I don't know what you you just gotta live with it. You gotta live with it. He's gonna drop some. And it's as aggravating as it is, he did come up with the big play on Sunday. So uh it's it's it hasn't lost us any games so far this season, but it's just so annoying every week when this happens. If he could just come up with some of those catches that he drops, it seems like he drops some of those really deep ones that look like walk-in touchdowns. Those are the ones he seems to drop most. If he could just catch those, I mean, you're talking about a superstar-level player in this league if he makes those plays. So we'll just have to hope he can grow sooner rather than later, especially with the playoffs approaching and every game, every play matters more and more. Um, We're just going to have to hope that he can get through what he's you know, going through right now. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to, everybody's going to have to play just a little bit better, grow a little each day uh, because we're going to have to face tougher and tougher teams each way down the road. And of course it doesn't get any easier from here on out. He's had eight drops on the season. I, I don't want to know how many yards we've lost on those, on those drops and walk uh, yards after catch too. That's, that's probably big because I know he's had a few crossers this season where he just can't can't hang on to it where he's got nothing but green grass in front of him and it's it's all mental you know it's it's definitely just mental Rogers talks about it all the time it's just he's gotta I don't know if it's confidence I don't know what it is but 
he's just it's I don't know if there's any fixing it at this point. And speaking of those drops that you talked about with with MVS, we saw some drop picks on Sunday too, and and those obviously have to go in the other direction for us. Kevin King and Shandon Sullivan, both of those guys dropped interceptions from Mitch Trubisky in the game on Sunday. You know, if the Packers want to stop good offensive teams, they'll have to take advantage of of those throws, uh, especially from the elite quarterbacks that don't make many of them. They're going to have to take advantage of the ones that do fall into their laps. And and to drop those, uh, you know, that's crucial stuff. Those are there were many there were many opportunities to get turnovers on Sunday that that didn't happen because of penalties or dropped interceptions or miscommunications, things like that. Um, you know, moving forward, these guys have to come up with these big plays that that'll put us in the best position to win. And we're going to need that. Yeah. For a long time, it's felt like the Packers had just, <laughs> they got like the worst receiving defensive backs in the league. Cause it, how many, how many drop picks do we have on the season? It feels like every week we're dropping some and even, even our best guys, they drop a lot too. Like Darnell had to drop one last week, but Kevin King, that's it's like on that drop pick. It's like he didn't even he didn't expect the throw to be that bad because he doesn't he's not even looking for it. And it's just in his lap and he can't hang on to it. But that was that would have been a they scored a field goal right after that. So that would have been like a and then Chandon dropped one on the ensuing drive of the opening second half. I think didn't he? Yeah. Uh, so that would the fourth down. That would have been like a ten point swing right there. Not that it mattered, but you're right. Against better quarterbacks, that's definitely that could definitely be an issue. And uh, I don't just like put them on the jugs machine. I guess I don't know. I don't know what you do about that. As everyone always says, they're they play defense for a reason, but it's very very irritating. Yeah, it is. And speaking of irritating, we haven't mentioned this yet. Uh, the, remember the first play of the game, and I'm not talking about on defense, and I'm not even talking about on offense. The first play of the game, the kickoff, oh, special boy. teams. The first play of the game, Cordero Patterson attempts to take the kickoff at the one-yard line, out of bounds, similar to what Ty Montgomery did, um, where Randall he stepped Cobb out of bounds. Him. Randall Cobb before him steps out of bounds and then touches the ball to make it a, a kickoff out of bounds, which would put them at the 40-yard line. It was clear as day on, on TV, live, watching it the first time, and on the replay that he clearly touched the ball before he steps out of bounds. And the referees just for some reason gave them the ball at the 40. So then Matt LaFleur th- throws the challenge flag on the, on the kickoff, which probably hasn't happened too often, if, if ever, in a, in a game. And the referees called the penalty, and, and they looked at the, at, the, at the replay and reviewed it. And they still stuck. They stuck with the original call, even though I don't know about you, Griff, but to me, it was clear as day that he had touched the ball for close to a full second with green grass in between his cleat and the out of bounds line. Um, and it was just a true shocking uh, situation for that to for that to go down. And luckily, it didn't have an impact on the result of the game. But them getting a, a free thirty nine yards on the first play of the game. That was irritating. That was beyond irritating. I have no idea what the refs were looking at because the two angles we saw on TV, it, it was like uh, so obvious. He, he's inbounds and then he touches it and then he steps out of bounds. I don't know what the refs were seeing. I don't know if they, that was one of the things where it's too close to call so they stick with the ruling on the field. I don't know, but that was like, what are they thinking? But I, I didn't, it didn't bug me too much for one because Mitch Trubisky stinks and I had no faith that he could score even with a 60 yard field and two it means that Bears fans can't whine about the refs which they've been doing for 
like two years now. They think that we pay the refs, so it's like, oh, I guess the, I guess we didn't pay him this week. Yeah, I definitely, um, you know, look at, like at the beginning of the game, it was one of those things where the Bears were hot. They're hungry. They're coming in looking to win, looking to, you know, try to beat up on a team that nobody thinks they're going to have a chance against. And for that to happen was kind of just like setting. I thought it was setting them up for the chance to gain momentum and, and never look back. Luckily, and, and of course, they got that touchdown on the first drive. So, yeah, of course, you know, when Rodgers got the ball, it was pretty much over from there. But um, you never want to give a team any hope, especially at the beginning of a game like that, to where they're going to have a lot easier opportunity to score. Um, and that, for me, that was just something that was, you know, that's things like that is what has been costing us these chances to get to the Super Bowl. Of course, the NFC Championship game, all these different things, fail Mary, things like that. Those things are the crucial parts of why we haven't really made it back to the Super Bowl. And if we can avoid those this year, we'll be in a lot better shape. Yeah, it's just the the fluky little stupid things. Not maybe not directly related to the bad calls, but just stupid annoying things. You're right. Do tend to lose us a lot of games, but. Uh, you know, it's that feels like the formula that's gone on a lot of games this season, where the defense opening drive gives up a, a double-digit play drive. They go the whole field and score a touchdown, but then the offense gets the ball and does the same thing. So after that first touchdown, I, I was it was kind of like, okay, I've seen this happen before. I'm not too worried. And then what do you know? The offense gets the ball back. There, there was two two possessions the entire first quarter. That's happened before this season for sure. You know, it's it's more rare to see from someone like Mitch Trubisky. But speaking of Mitch Trubisky. Uh, his face just annoys me. It's just that the fact that Bears fans <laughs> think this guy, they think this guy is a good quarterback when uh, it's, I don't know what games they're watching. I don't know if they're watching different games. I think they just have orange colored glasses on. Because, he's probably, hey, hey, he's probably good for what they've been having over the years. So you know what? You're right. You're right. He's probably the, is he better than Jay Cutler? No, he's, nah, not, I don't he's, think so. he's not better than Jay Cutler, but it's like, all he can do is hit the check down, hit the quick out in the flat. That's it. That's he can't, he can't actually make a throw. He's not a quarterback. He's, if we're going to leave someone open, he's going to hit him. And it's like, they're, they're crossing the street 10 times. They go 30 yards down the field. So eventually this, this is going to catch up to them. And then all the fourth and shorts. Oh my God. It was so irritating watching, watching them on offense. It's literally their, their script on offense was move three yards at a time and then convert on fourth and one. And we just, it was even more irritating that we couldn't stop it on all those fourth and third and shorts. But you know, it's like, it's not a, it's not a winning formula on offense. And I knew that it wasn't going to be successful for them, successful for them at the end of the day. And it wasn't, but these Bears fans, man, I don't know why they talk themselves into Mitch Trubisky every year. They don't have much of a choice considering, you know, they're pretty much stuck with him uh, up until maybe this, you know, this off season, he's a free agent, but they haven't had great quarterback play obviously over the years. And, you know, they're trying to hang on to every thread they've got. Uh, but I do want to talk about <laughs> I do want to talk about another uh, you know we're gonna we're getting the negative stuff out of the way because there was a ton of good stuff that we saw on Sunday but um, the one special teams mistake um, it was it was a bit of a big one at the time when Tavon Austin fielded a punt near the ten uh, that he probably should have just let bounce and ended up fumbling after a stop from the Packers defense which which gave the Bears another three points so. Um, I, to me, when I'm when I'm talking about Tavon Austin, I think that was his first negative play in Green Bay, uh, so you're going to excuse it. But you know, like that kickoff penalty, it wasn't very costly for us in the end. Um, 
But, uh, you know, I think that's just something they'll have to correct. Austin will have to make the correction. Of course, Sean Menango will have to try to do something as a coach um, this week in the <laughs> bye week and, uh, and hope that it isn't an issue come playoff time. Yeah, uh, I don't, it's just another special teams blunder that we've seen this season. Mason Crosby is carrying the special teams unit on his back. He really is because everything else around him is just uh, is just chaos, pure chaos. Like Tavon Austin, the guy we bring in to do this, this you're the punt returner. You're supposed to be the we're supposed to rely on you. And he fumbles. I I can't kill him for it. It happens. Fumbles happen. They're mostly random, but it's just uh, this special teams. It's something going wrong every week. But luckily, it wasn't too big of a deal. And uh, I think. We were able to get the ball back shortly after that, uh, creating a turnover on defense. Jair Alexander stripped a stripped a ball off of Cole Komet, so it it was it was a nice little trade off there. Yeah, yeah, we were able to get that turnover. I thought it was a field goal, but yeah, I think we did get the ball right back, which was good. And then, of course, you know the great thing about this team and Matt Lafleur as a coach is you saw the first play of that drive. They they give it to Tavon Austin on on a quick out on a shoot from the hip type of uh, type of throw from Rogers I like to call it shoot from the hip type of throw little screen to Tavon Austin quick throw um, and come up with that? this backup what'd you say did you come up with that shoot yeah, from the hip that's what I call it yeah I like that yeah Tavon he's a he's an effective piece on offense and I think as the season goes on as we get into the playoffs I I like to think that Lafleur's got something in the back pocket for Tavon some kind of little uh fake fake screen wheel route up the sideline where no one covers him yeah Yeah. I I I hope so because like you said last week yeah all these coaches they definitely have plays that they save for the playoffs that they save for these big games uh think of the Philly special uh Philadelphia 2017 Super Bowl um so I like to think that Tavon he's got something LaFleur's got something for Tavon but you know right now Tavon he's just he's like a little Tyler Irvin he's he's supplemented what we lost in Tyler Irvin pretty perfectly and uh he's he's okay on most of the returns but that fumble was pretty bad and I'm hoping I'm hoping we get to see more of him in the offense as the as the season goes on yeah definitely I think he brings a lot to the offense because he is one of those dynamic speed guys faster than Tyler Irvin um and I we we talked about how he's doing a lot of the behind the scrimmage behind the line of scrimmage stuff I don't know how much you know route running he's actually doing downfield which I don't think very much but having him as a potential guy that, like you said, could either you know run wheel routes out of the backfield off of that fake screen motion stuff or even just line up in the slot and, and run some routes too, having that is going to be valuable to that versatility, the, comp, uh, the illusion of complexity that Matt LaFleur always talks about for the offense. So I think that could be useful for us. Yeah, teams are gonna bite on that on that fake screen stuff. They already are. They're when they see Tavon in motion, they're flying to him. He definitely stresses out the linebackers uh, when he's in the backfield, and so it's just it feels like it's too easy just sending him up the sideline. But uh, hopefully, we see that see that in the near future because we know the speed he has. We know he's a dynamic receiver, and uh, you know we don't really have any other deep threats outside of MBS. So, and we we cannot always rely on Valdez Scantling. So hopefully, Tavon brings more of that to the offense uh, in the playoffs. All right, so let's talk about more of this positive stuff, um, starting with, of course, your 2020 MVP, quarterback Aaron Rodgers. And he was excellent once again, uh, four touchdowns on 19 of 24 passes um, with a 147.9 rating, close to perfect, um, 240 yards. You know, that's right around the middle of the middle of the uh, road for Rodgers. And, you know, those are they're becoming a weekly thing. 
Yep. That, and the fact that he's not throwing much and still getting that kind of yardage, still getting four touchdowns, you know, we don't have to make him throw 45 times a game like in years past. It's really incredible. That's an underrated part of what we're doing on offense. Um, and, you know, these numbers, it's just becoming a weekly thing. You know, Rodgers now looks like he secured the MVP for sure. Um, and, you know, just the throws that stood out for me were those ones uh, on those four touchdown passes in particular. All of them were just really special throws from Aaron. And uh, this was another game where you just you carry all that momentum that he's had. He carried it into this game, and it was clear that he was going to be unstoppable against this this Bears defense. You knew coming into this game, 12 was going to be ready. He wants that NFC Championship game at home. That's he, He's been talking about that for years. He wants that game at home. And so you knew coming into this game against the Bears at Soldier Field, uh, where a place he's had very much success in his career. You know he was going to be on fire. And like I said earlier, he started the game literally perfect, 158.3 passer rating, 155 yards, 10, 10 attempts, 10 completions, three touchdowns, 15 yards per attempt. He was flawless in the first half. And, uh, you know, after that, after the MVS drop, he kind of got – Kind of, he kind of got a little weird where he, he, it was just like a span of four or five plays where he threw three dropped interceptions. That was weird. I don't know what that was about, but he, he got back on track as the game went on and threw, uh, threw an, another touchdown to Devontae. That was a great throw, perfect, beautiful throw, right in between the numbers on a slant route. And uh, what more can say? What more can he say about Rodgers? He's going to win MVP, third of his career. It's amazing. As being an Aaron Rodgers fan my entire life. You know, it's, it's I'm so happy that he's back to being the unstoppable force that he once was. And with him and Devante, you know, enough can't be said. We've talked about it for probably hours total on this podcast, just how lethal they are as a duo. Um, and we saw it again. The one touchdown pass at the end that got Devante to 18, um, that throw was very, very underrated. Devante makes an incredible move on Kyle Fuller to get in the end zone, a slant, you know, a little just stop and go type of move right at the line of scrimmage, completely just roasts Kyle Fuller. Rodgers just laser beams a ball right into the chest of Adams. Um, And that's an underrated throw, and that's the stuff that you look at and just it's so impressive. Um, The throw to Tunyon was incredible, of course. That one kind of off his back foot, throwing across his body right into the chest of Tunyon incredible you know obviously the mvs ball we talked about awesome throw and then the throw to daphne as well daphne got wide open um so you know those four throws to me were really impressive and and just so great to see uh the offense clicking without a guy like david bakhtiari there for rogers it was nice to see him still be comfortable um in the pocket yeah he just it's all season man it's all season he's looked so comfortable He's used to this offense. He's comfortable playing within this offense. And he's just – that Tunyon touchdown, I can't stop watching that play from the end zone angle because it's literally you, – you see him just looking to one guy, then looking to one guy. Oh, there's Tunyon. Let me just sling it across my body right in between the numbers. Perfect throw, and it's six points in between defenders. That that play is beautiful. It's, we're not getting the same level of highlight plays that we used to see from Rodgers, but that makes sense. The man's 37 years old. This is what – this is what he should be at this age, just highly efficient, the most deadly accurate quarterback in the league. And it's it got it got him another MVP season. So that's really, really great to see. And then like you said, losing Bakhtiari, let's talk about that now, the offensive line, because they played pretty freaking well without Bakhtiari, the best left tackle in football. Uh, Adam Stenovich has done a fantastic job with this offensive line because it's it doesn't even matter who comes in. It looks like they're all just 
they're all ready to go and they, they all look like seasoned veterans out there. Yeah, this group is definitely, and I think we've talked about this before, but it's really more about the sum of its parts, the, the unit itself. Really, you know, you could have a guy that isn't a spectacular player like Bakhtiari in there, but the unit just, it brings the guy up, whoever it is. It could be a, a not a great player, and the unit brings that one guy along for the ride of being just a really unstoppable force um, in, in, at the line of scrimmage. And that's benefited everybody. Of course, Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, he was getting hit a little bit last week. And, and of course, that's a great Bears front with Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, and Robert Quinn and many others in there. Those are all, all pro-level players. But, you know, Rodgers looked really comfortable. And it was impressive to see him take shots and, and make some of those throws that we saw. Plus, Aaron Jones in the running game, you know, he didn't do a lot in the running game. Uh, but overall, I liked the way we were running the ball early on. And what we saw from Aaron Jones in the passing game shows how truly valuable he is to this team. And it's just the the offense overall is just clicking, regardless of who's in there, whether it's A.J. Dillon running the ball, whether it's Billy Turner on the left uh, on the offensive line, whether it's Malik Taylor at wide receiver, whoever's playing, it seems like the offense is clicking no matter what throughout the whole year. Yeah, even when we lost Devontae Adams, the best receiver in football, the offense didn't skip a beat. It's just a seamless transition, no matter who's in the game, no matter who goes out of the game. And uh, that continued on the offensive line this week. And Rodgers, like you said, didn't skip a beat. When he was blitzed, he was 4-4, 91 yards, two touchdowns. Obviously, the deep throw to MVS was a lot of that yardage. But seeing him stand tall in the pocket, willing to make a throw, knowing he's about to get hit, that's special stuff from number 12. He's, we all know he sees the field as well as any quarterback in, the, in football. So putting him behind that offensive line, in this in this very smart efficient offense it's just it's pretty it's unstoppable to put up 35 points on that bears defense uh you know it's it's just like really encouraging for us uh, moving forward um and we talked about it you know that just just these performances stringing them together like that is going to just give us all the momentum in the world um as we head into a potential game against a team like tampa bay who beat us last time around um this gives us a good chance to carry momentum into really having a good shot to win that game. Uh, let's let's move on to the defense here, Griff, because there was a lot of great things uh, on that side of the ball. And number one thing for me I'm going to point out um, is Christian Kirksey because he had to come in, play a little bit more than he did last week. But both these two games now, these last two, he's been a little more explosive, a little more sound in his, you know, what he's got to do, his responsibilities. Um, and he's and he's made some a good number of plays here. Uh, that make me more encouraged about where he's at uh, as opposed to what he was playing like earlier in the year, uh, missing literally two years of football. And now, you know, he's getting back in the fold and it seems like he's getting more comfortable as these games go on. Yeah, I'm definitely cooling on Christian Kirksey. I'm not like, he's not, he's not a detriment to the defense and what they're trying to do, especially when you pair him with a guy like Kamal Martin, who's so explosive and can pretty much do anything you ask of him on the defensive side of the ball. But yeah, in general, the defense played very well. Mr. Trubisky is a horrible quarterback, but you know, the Bears offense, they have put up 30 points in the past four games, you know, albeit against horrible defenses. But at, at the very least, at, at least this tells us that this defense is not a horrible defense because uh, we locked up we locked up the Bears receivers pretty well. Uh, Allen Robinson went most of the game without a catch. He had one late in the fourth quarter, I believe. But 
most of the game, he was not targeted. He did not have any receptions, and Jair completely locked him down, as he does every week. That guy is a stud, all-pro cornerback right there. And then Darnell Savage, he continues to be great. And Adrian Amos was the real star of this game. Obviously, he had the, the game-ending interception twice now. He's played two games at Soldier Field as a as a Green Bay Packer, and twice now he's had the game-sealing interception. Uh, that's great to see, you know, little uh, little revenge game for Adrian Amos. And he had a... He when he was targeted in this game, he had a thirty six point seven passer rating. He was locking fools down in the middle of the field, as he does for the past couple months or so. He's he's been really strong. Yeah, he has. And uh, same thing with Darnell. Uh, of course, that one that one play to Darnell Mooney. Um, yeah, thinking about this season in general, those two guys have been playing so well that we've really limited a lot of the deep deep passing plays downfield. Um, and it was almost kind of weird to see a successful one. Um, and it was kind of encouraging because like, Oh yeah, we haven't seen that in a long time. And then you look like the third downs and then they convert the fourth and short, they convert. And then you look at the scoreboard and they only finished with 16 points. That's all. That's all that really matters in the end. I mean, just to be able to hold them to field goals and, you know, apart from that one touchdown in, in the beginning of the game, that's, you know, that's great stuff. I mean, this defense is doing, more than enough for us to be able to win games right now. Um, and I think, like you mentioned, Jair, of course, is the superstar on this defense. And we've got plenty of other stars as well that we've talked about. Um, and we've got a new one in the fold, and his name is Damon Snacks Harrison. Uh, and he didn't play much, but when he did, he was disruptive, and he can really alter the line of scrimmage. And that's something that only Kenny Clark has been able to do since he, uh, you know, since Clark was here. And in, in the past couple of years, we haven't had a guy that can really break through the line of scrimmage. And you saw it on Sunday. Snacks Harrison can do that. And that gives us a chance to really uh, just, it'll give us an opportunity to not have the run defense be the fall of this team once again. And I think that just gives us a better chance to win it all, obviously. Yeah, Snacks looked Snacks looked pretty good in his first game. He only had 12 snaps, but from what I saw, he looked pretty solid. He if imagining him being in there as an actual starter with Kenny Clark, with Z Smith, with Preston and maybe some Rashawn Gary, uh, that looks really promising. Him playing nose, letting Kenny line up against the guard for once and not get double teamed maybe, letting him eat and then Z on the edge and Preston and Rashawn on the edge as well. Uh, that looks pretty dangerous and I'm excited for that. And like you said, that's going to really shore up our run defense and make sure that no one's able to run on us like San Fran was last year in the playoffs. But um, overall, this defense, it was the perfect example of a Mike Patton defense, bend but don't break. It's he's okay with giving up these long drives. The Bears dominated time of possession. They had it for over they had the ball for over 40 minutes in this game. But like you said, they only came away with 16 points. We were holding them to field goals, making sure they didn't get in the end zone. And that's Mike Patton is perfectly okay with uh, playing that way. And when we're able to score on offense like the way we do, it's not going to be too much of an issue. All right, we're going to move on to a, a new segment here on the podcast called Quick Hitters. Any any longtime listeners of the show may remember this from our very, very early episodes of the podcast, but it's basically we're going to put three minutes on the clock. Uh, I have a list of questions here to ask Braun, and Braun has a list of questions to ask me, and we're going to go back and forth, and uh, we have three minutes to answer all these questions. So, Braun, you ready to go here? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Okay, Griff, Frank, the Packers' potential playoff teams in the divisional round, uh, their opponents from easiest to hardest. Ooh, uh, uh, Chicago, Washington, LA, Tampa Bay. Um, how many teams do you think are actual Super Bowl contenders in the AFC and NFC? 
I'd go with four. I'd say Buffalo and Kansas City from the AFC, and then I'd say Green Bay and New Orleans in the NFC. Not Tampa Bay, not Seattle? Yeah, Tampa Bay's offense scares me if it struggles. Uh, give me the key for a Bears upset in New Orleans. Ooh, uh, it's they got to pressure Drew Brees. I think they can. I have the good chance of. I think they have a good chance of pressuring him because he he cannot throw, especially when he's pressured. Um, who who's the best wild card team, AFC or NFC? I'd go with Baltimore. They're hot right now, and they they could beat anybody. That's a good answer. I don't know if they're better than Tampa Bay though. Okay. Uh, tell me who has the advantage between Seattle's offense and and the Rams' defense. Uh, well, we've seen two games of that of that matchup, and uh, uh, the Seattle just cannot move the ball on LA. LA has a really good defense, but I think I think the key there is to get uh, Tyler Lockett more involved, maybe take the top off him because D- uh, DK is locked up by Jalen both both games this season. Um, who do you think has the best chance to beat Green Bay in the playoffs? Uh, you know, it's between Tampa Bay and New Orleans. I'd go with New Orleans just because their running game could give us a lot of trouble. I think in Green Bay, New Orleans has no shot. I think Tampa Bay does. I, yeah, I, I could see where you think that definitely with the with the frozen tundra. Uh, now tell me which five seed will go further, the Ravens or the Buccaneers? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, the Buccaneers because I think Baltimore has a good chance of losing this week. Um, uh, sh- okay, here's a, here's a fun one. Should the Packers wear green or white in the Super Bowl? Green. <laughs> green. Yeah, I hope they have the choice because I would love the green jerseys. All right, tell me the team that will lose in the playoffs because of bad quarterback play. Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, the Bears are the easy answer. So are the the football team because, I mean, I love Alex Smith, but he, he's not very good. And Mr. Biscay obviously stinks. Uh, Phillip Rivers, uh, he, he could choke, and so could Baker Mayfield. But I'm, I'm going to go with the Bears. I think they have the worst quarterback. Okay. Um, uh, speaking of the Bears, do you think the do you think the Bears' playoff success should impact their decisions on Nagy and or Mitch Trubisky? I hope it does. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah, that's a good answer. Thirty seconds. Uh, okay, tell me the second best offense in the playoffs because we all know who the first is. Uh, it's got to be Kansas City. They have the second best quarterback. Um, is the MVP Chris real? No. It's been like twenty uh, years, Ron. That doesn't. Nope, it's not real. We'll see okay. this year. Okay, next question. Next question. Best defense in the NFC. Uh, LA. Um, should the uh, how many interceptions will Russ throw at Lambeau Field? Seven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which six seed has the best chance to win in the wild card round? Time's up, Brian. <laughs> Answer that question for me. Which six seed between uh, Cleveland and uh, and the Rams? Who do you think is the better shot? Uh, uh, I don't know. I think they both lose, but probably the Rams. I think the Rams play a, pl- a closer game. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Cleveland, they could. I don't. I don't know how good the Steelers are. I don't know. It's going to be fun. Playoffs are going to be fun this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a chance to sit back and watch and just see who oh, our yeah. next week. Watch these teams beat yeah. each other up, and you know we'll see what happens. And with that, Matt Lafleur. That's Matt Lafleur. Hang on, hang on. Matt Lafleur got the <laughs> bye week in both of his first two years coaching the Packers, and no one's talking about it. How crazy! He should be the coach of the year, but he won't, sadly. Yeah, no. No chance, really. Like, uh, no chance. No talk about him. And with that, everybody, that's going to do it for our talk here about these playoffs and all the things that happened in this Bears game. But we're going to move on now to our interview uh, with Dominique Daphne. 
Dominique, thanks for coming on. Let's start with your journey to get to this point. Uh, you, you started community college and then transferred to the University of Iowa. And then you transfer again to Indiana State and finish your college career with a 244-yard performance, which was the fourth best in program history, which had to be a special moment for you. And, and then you go undrafted. A month goes by uh, before you get signed. And, and then you, get, you then get cut 13 days later. Um, then you sign with the Packers in December. Now you're just a few games in and, and you're becoming a key contributor on a team with Super Bowl aspirations. Uh, after all this, you score a touchdown in the biggest game of the season. So tell us how you felt in that moment after everything you've been through. Well, I mean, if you watch the uh, like if you watch the touchdown or whatever and you see like the celebration and I kind of like scream a little bit, <laughs> that, that's like that was kind of like a moment of relief, like. All of that, all of everything of what you just said was like five years and some months of just straight perseverance, literally just working without really seeing an end goal or if this was even going to work out at all. So it was kind of just that scream was pretty much like, like, yeah, like it was all worth it in the end. Yeah, you saw it in that spike too. That ball, that ball was thrown fast on the ground. I mean, <laughs> that had to be a lot, you know, just a lot of built up just every every emotion that you could possibly have going through your mind at that point to have it all come to fruition like that had to be special for you. Oh yeah, it was uh yeah, I don't know if you could see it, but I like I looked to the like look to the right when I'm on the ground because I'm like, wait, did I just score? Like I <laughs> it was kind of, it was it was like it was a crazy moment, I'm not gonna lie. And like the ball was coming to me and I'm like, Oh my goodness, that's the ball. Like I'm like I've been <laughs> <laughs> I kind of fall to the ground because my legs just go dead because I'm so worried about the ball and making it. Sure so there was yeah, there was a lot going through my mind and heart was racing and just it was it was a great moment. That's awesome. That's the the coaches really seem to love to have you on the team. They're surprised they were able to find you so easily. Um, which which room are you in? Like which position group are you with most of the time? Because Lafleur just calls you the the F position. Uh, hybrid between a running back and a tight end which group do you spend the most time with um no I spend all my time with the tight ends oh yeah yeah we okay. spend most of my time with uh coach J.O. and the tight end room what's what's J.O. like for you what's what's Justin Outen do for you as, as a great coach you know because the, the coaches talk about him as as a guy that they're obviously excited to have on their staff so so what's he done for you as a football player in terms of your not only your your play on the field but also what you do inside the locker room inside inside the classroom even well well first of all he's a uh, he's a very good motivational speaker like he would literally get you to run through a wall and I'm literally not saying that like to be dramatic like he is very good at like before the game or like literally the day before the game, you're like, you could have waited like, cause now I want to play, <laughs> but like, he's really good at that. And then he's made the transition to obviously I've never played tight end or fullback. So he's made the transition a lot easier. Like he's really just helpful. Just telling me like, Hey, anytime you have a question, whether it's big or small or anything, like you text me just right away. Like you will not be, I won't be mad if you text me like 12 times a day or whatever, just random questions. Like, just ask me just because he wants me to be great. He wants the whole room to be great. And just we kind of have that, that like, bond in the room where, like, like I call him J.L. I don't call him coach, where it's just, like, we're all here to be great. Like, he wants to be a head coach one day, which he will be. And we all want to be, like, say, these 15 years in our, se- or in our career where 
we can look back and be like, yeah, we did something. We did something special. Speaking of Mercedes, I was going to ask you about that. How it, it seems like he's like pretty much the entire team's favorite teammate. They all love him. They call him Big Dog. Uh, what is it like being in the same room as him, a 15 year vet, like you said? Just what does he bring to the bring to the locker room every week? Uh, that's the sensei right there. Like that's <laughs> like that's the best way I can describe it. Like when he talks, like everyone listens. Like a pin drops and you can hear it because he knows. Like 15 years, that's not easy. Like that's right. not a lot of people can do that. So when he talks, everybody listens because like everyone respects him. We all we got all got love for him. We all have his back because we know he has ours and we know like he he drops knowledge like every day. Like he's like literally he is the sensei. So every time he speaks, I'm like pen in hand, ready to write down what he has to say. Cause I know he knows what he's doing. So I mean, that's why everyone loves him because he comes with energy. He comes with physicality every, every day, every practice. And like, we know that he got, he has our back for sure. Dominique, I want to talk to you a little bit more about, you know, what it took for you to get to where you are today. I just, you know, through all the times where you could have doubted that you would get where you're at now, how were you able to stay focused and, and achieve the goals that you're achieving? Well, it wasn't easy. I'll be honest. 2020, I mean, there were a lot of times 2020 almost won over the summer. Mm. Like they were like obviously waking up and uh, just having to work out and stay in shape with like we were just working out. And they were like, you know how there was like that time where we really didn't know what we what was going to happen. There wasn't any uh, workouts. They weren't bringing people in for workouts. And, like, like we had no idea when that was going to open up or when anything was going to happen. So, like, there was a lot of times where I'm just waking up and I'm like, I'm like, what are we, like, what are we doing here? Like, where is this going? Like, is this going anywhere? Like, and there was a couple, couple of weeks, couple of months went by and, like, I just heard nothing. So it was, it was tough. But it was just that internal drive as well as my family and friends just continuously pushing me to to just keep working and just stay on the stay on the grind because like you never know like what happened with me you never know when they're going to give you a call to come back and you never know what's going to happen so you just have to stay ready for when that opportunity presents itself yeah for sure i mean that's that had to be hard for you know you of course especially a guy being undrafted with all the uncertainty around that and really every player that's playing just the, the challenges of staying motivated and, and all the things that come with that. Another thing I want to talk to you about is, is just the way guys speak about you, especially in these last few weeks when you've really made your presence felt. When you hear guys like Coach Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers talk about you, they always emphasize how the moment isn't too big for you, that you can handle a lot on your plate, you know that you belong, things like that. I mean, what about you gives you the ability to have that kind of mindset in a situation where, like you mentioned, you could easily have a hard time transitioning to the NFL and, and it could have been a challenge, a real hard challenge. I'd say like having to have sit home, sit at home for like that first four or five weeks of the season. Obviously, I knew if I was going to get the opportunity, like I was going to take advantage of it, whatever, like whatever they needed me to do, I was going to come in and work extremely hard to stay because that was my mentality as soon as I get wherever I'm going, I'm not coming back home. Like, there's no coming home after that. That was kind of my mentality. And I had to, personally, I had to, like, go up fast. So I had to put a lot more work in into just learning the playbook as well as just watching film and everything. So, I mean, when you do all that and you just put all the work in, 
when you get onto the field, that's the easy part. You know, you do it every day in practice, thousands of reps at it in practice. And after that, watching film and when you get on the field, like, you know what you're supposed to do with second hand. Like, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, like Braun was saying, it seems like the a lot of the coaching staff and a lot of the players are very, very happy to have you on the squad. Uh, to, uh, specifically, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have spoken about you and how, how versatile you can be. And it's like Rodgers and Adams this season have been probably the two best players at their respective positions. Uh, even though you've only been here a couple months, what have you learned from them? What do they bring to the huddle every week? What's what's like the biggest uh, lessons that you've learned being around two masters at their crafts? Well, from 12, definitely learn how to be a professional, for sure. How to get in the book, how to uh, – with his mind, it's so crazy because he, he – his, his football IQ is just like through the roof. So like when you – just being around him, you're going to learn, you're going to pick up some things and you're going to see some tendencies of defenses. And you're just like, you're going to be a better player simply, simply from just being around him. So him coaching me up on routes as well as on scramble drills and stuff like that. And just how to, just how to be a pro and how to go about it. And just things you should visualize during the week, like making plays and just like, just believing in the moment and believing yourself in the moment that and that like you can fall back on your training and that everything everything you're working for is going to be like it's it's going to be it's going to be there for you when you when you're in that moment ready to make a play and then 17 i mean i mean you see his route running (laughs) yeah he's tough i mean just being able to watch him at practice you pick up some of his – obviously, I don't know if I could do it as well as he could do it, but <laughs> definitely pick up some of the things he does and just – he's it's just so fluid and everything, his movements are just so smooth and it's just whenever he gives the receivers uh, tips on how to run a route or stuff, like I'm listening, like I'm sitting right next to him, so I'm, I'm writing down exactly what he says because obviously like that's, that's kind of the blueprint right there for running routes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with those two guys specifically, what's the most interesting interaction that you've had or just a funny story that you've had with those two guys since you've got to Green Bay? I would say, oh, we were in practice one day and it was just like, it was, I think it was at the beginning of practice. And so we were just like doing a walkthrough or it might've been at the end. Like it was a a light tempo day. We just had on helmets and I had like a, just a little middle read route type and 12 throws it and I was jogging and I like I saw he threw it and I was like oh so I picked up my speed a little bit and like caught it one-handed and it just stuck to my glove and (laughs) he goes over he's like dude why do you like you make the most dramatic catches every day what do you you just just had it in your hand and you're just looking at it he's like you make the most dramatic catches (laughs) I've ever seen I'm like I, I just I just smile because I'm like obviously you say that I'm gonna be ear to ear grinning so that was <laughs> that made me laugh but I mean there's there's always small small uh, small things that go on through the building as well as that practice and it's just it's fun to interact with dudes who are like on like in a lot of people's eyes like icons they're idols so I mean it's fun to be able to interact with them on a daily basis. Yeah, that's so funny because yesterday he mentioned how, you know, talking about you, he said, you know, this guy's making plays in practice that like these crazy plays in practice every week. And he's like, maybe we got to get this guy on offense a little bit more. 
And of course, we saw what you did in that game on Sunday, catching a touchdown. So that that's really that's an interesting story. You talk about Rodgers being an icon. Me and Braun, we've grown up Packer fans our whole lives. Rodgers literally has been like our childhood hero almost, and he's probably the most popular man in Wisconsin. So was there any level of starstruckedness joining him, uh, being at practice with him for the first time and like catching a touchdown from him last week? Was there any level of that from you? I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So, I mean – like when I first got here and I'm practicing and like you see him, the throws he makes like on Sunday, he does it every day. So you're just standing behind him and you're just like watching him. I'm like, that's Aaron Rodgers. Right there. Like that's, that's not normal. That's, it was just like, it just, you know what I mean? Just like clicked one day. I'm like, that's Aaron Rodgers. Like that's yeah. watching Aaron Rodgers practice right now. Like that was kind of crazy for me. I was just like, wow, like this is, it's kind of real. And so it was a real moment where I'm like, I'm standing behind Aaron Rodgers just watching him throw, doing the sidearms, you know, no looks and all that. And I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. Yeah, I bet. I, I bet that is pretty crazy. Uh, you know, I imagine you, you've known who he was for a long time. So watching him at practice, I'm sure, was pretty pretty stunning. But I want to talk about last week against the Bears because a lot of these rookies, they talk about the welcome to the NFL moment. And right after your touchdown catch on the on, in the ensuing kickoff, you laid a hit on Cordero Patterson. That was like, I was like, oh, that's the guy. That's Dominique Daphne, the guy who just caught that touchdown. Uh, was that the hardest hit you've ever laid? Because like you could hear it on the television, empty stadium and echoed throughout the stadium, I bet. Was that the hardest hit you've ever laid? It's, it's definitely up there. Because I didn't, realize, <laughs> I didn't realize how hard it was until someone sent me the video, and I was like, "Yeah, that sounded yeah. that sounded like a home run shot to deep middle, like that." <laughs> they did, yeah. I mean, it's just like I started laughing. I was watching. I'm like, I didn't realize that that was it was that hard. Like, obviously, we're two bigger dudes colliding, so it's going to be some sort of collision. But the noise was is what made me like. It just, I just laugh every time I watch it. And that had to be crazy because you're coming off that touchdown. And like Griff said, all that adrenaline from that score, you use that on special teams. And I think that's one of the reasons why the coaches really love you so much is because you bring it and not just on offense when you get in. You're a special teams guy and, and you saw it right there. You had a tackle last week, the, the week prior as well. Um, so that, you know, that's impressive. And the coaches, of course, love that when, when you go and make a, make a touchdown on offense and then come back and, and make a hit on one of the league's better returners. So that that's truly impressive. I mean, yeah. Well, obviously I went to Iowa, so special teams was, it was a must. Like you, you, like when you were a freshman, like that's your way on the field was special teams. And that's something we, we harped on a lot. So I was kind of like my thing when I was at Iowa, of course. So I definitely took that same mentality to here with like special teams in a way that you're going to stick out for a while. That same, you know, that same intensity as you would if you were starting on offense to all four phases of special teams. Yeah, definitely. And, and kind of talking about that a little bit also, I, I want to know what Matt LaFleur and, and your other coaches have described your role as to you in this offense and also as a special teamer. I would say like kind of like – Okay, I, I don't know how to say it, but like the best way to uh, to explain it is like like a Ron Artest slash Dennis Rodman. Like you have to do like the dirty work. Like I'm sift blocking, I'm lead blocking on runs, pretty much. I'm I'm out on the perimeter blocking, like tackling on kickoff. Like 
you have to do the little stuff. Like that's kind of my role. If I don't know, they never really told me what my role is, but like seeing it and being in the like playing in five games, like I've noticed, like that's kind of my role. Like just do the dirty work, do like the little things that I have to do to, you know, maybe create a hole for uh, Aaron Jones or create a, like like on the perimeter block in the game for his bubble. Like just kind of do those little things to make like to make the team better and just you know those little things that not a lot of people would notice, but just. That's kind of, I would say that's probably my role on the team. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, th- this is a position that LaFleur, I believe, values pretty heavily because he drafted Josiah DeGuar in the third round this year. Then he goes out with a knee injury, unfortunately. And then J- he brings in John Lovett, and he goes out with a knee injury as well. And then uh, we, we pick you up, and you're pl- kind of having that same role. And I know you played receiver in college, so is this like your first experience lining up at fullback, You know, doing the lead blocking stuff like you mentioned? Do you have any experience to that? with that or how foreign is it um well i mean i don't know how well this counts but the little league would, would have been the last time <laughs> little league yeah, like fourth, fourth or fifth grade maybe wow i ever did any type of lead blocking like that or putting my hand in the dirt at all so yeah it's been it's definitely it's been a little foreign i won't lie but i mean Obviously, like everybody else, like I want to play. Like I want to play on offense. I want to play on special teams. So, like whatever they tell me to do, like I'll be like, all right, like that's fine. Just give me a couple reps at it and let's go. Like let's do it. That's great. On that note, what does it mean to you when when Devonte Adams calls you one of the most versatile guys he's been around, especially considering how versatile Adams is himself? I mean, when I saw that, that that definitely it meant a lot to me because. To me, I've always said, like, since he's been in the league, he was one of the best receivers and route runners in the league. So to, to hear from that guy himself, to, like, say I'm a, ver- a versatile guy that he's seen, like, that was – that definitely, like it – was, it was awesome. I mean, those are the type of guys that you look up to for, the, for them to have that type of positive outlook on you. Like, it's what you work for, to be honest, like, it's, it's everything that you dream of. That's great. And obviously you two are uh, looking to help the Packers make a little bit of a Super Super Bowl run here in the playoffs. So you get the first seed, you get the bye week. Uh, you know, during the season, during the bye week, I think the I believe the players get the whole week off. But what are you guys doing this week? Are you guys in meetings still? Are you on Zoom? Are you showing up to the showing up to practice? Uh, we still have obviously we can't just take the week off, you know. That would Yeah. That would <laughs> I imagine. But I mean, yeah, we meetings and some lifts and workouts, you know, just to keep the body right. We'll practice a couple of times, two or three times this week, as well as just keep meeting, you know, keep like keep trying to get better. I mean, that's pretty much what we can do with this week is get our bodies right as well as get our minds right for whoever we're about to play next. Because obviously we don't know until until Monday, technically, because we don't know like what is it the lowest seed that we play. So yeah, right now it's just you know we're just still trying to get trying to stay as normal as possible in a bye week. So what about this team as a whole? Do you think um, gives you confidence that it can win playoff games, get to the Super Bowl, and and potentially win it? I just feel like everybody on this team kind of has the mentality of just just to get it done. You know, like we like we stick together really well like we we ride the ups and downs together like a lot of like a lot of people could like you know put their head down or you know try to 
separate from the squad, but I feel like everybody is kind of like we're conjoined and we're like a team. Like we're very, I feel like it's a very close team. I feel like we all got love for each other. I feel like we all want it like just as bad as each other. So we're, we stick together really well. And I feel like we're as well as we're having that good momentum at like the right time. Cause obviously momentum in professional, any type of professional sport, like that's, that's kind of like half the battle. Like if you're clicking at the right times, like you can be dangerous. And you talk about how close you are with some of your teammates and how close the team is in general. I'm wondering, um, you know, what players have you really connected with most this season, especially getting ingrained a little bit later and, and who's kind of guided you along the way? Um, well, obviously when I was first here, like the practice squad guys, we kind of have our little locker room. So like, we're all pretty good friends and we try to like, we talk to each other a lot and just cause like we're locker mates. So like we're sitting right next to each other and we're hanging out. So that's, Obviously, it's tough because, you know, people are in and out every other week. So you might see a guy today. You might not see him tomorrow. So, but I mean, like I definitely spend a lot of time with practice squad guys as well as like Bob and Lazard. Those dudes have definitely taken me under their wing. OB has definitely been helpful with special teams as well as Ty. So mm-hmm. those guys have definitely, like, been, definitely been helpful to like just take me under their wing and like, let me know, like, you know, just what it, what it is to, like, to be a pro. Like, how do you study? Like, how do you watch film? Like, what do you need to, like, just how to transition from college to NFL? Obviously, it's a, it's a big jump. And it's a, like, it's a lot mentally. It's not that much, like, different physically because, I mean, it's still football, but it's the mental aspect that they definitely have come and taken me under the wing and helped me out with. You talk about the amount of self selfless players on the squad. That's something Rogers talks about all the time. Uh, inside the building, what's what's kind of the message inside twelve sixty five Lombardi? What's what's the vibe like? Are you are you kind of thinking about the Super Bowl that it could actually happen? That you got the one seed in the NFC and you're two games away from it? What are you what are you doing to stay focused throughout the playoffs? Well, I can't give you all the uh, you know. <laughs> you can't give me the inside information. But uh, no, it's definitely a, it's a positive vibe. You know, we, we understand what position we're in. You know, it's not like you don't get – not everyone gets to the playoffs every year and not everyone gets the, the first round by. So, like, we understand what position that we're in and we understand what, like, we're, what we're trying to gain off this season, what the end goal is. That's the end goal for everybody, and we are in the driver's seat right now. We definitely understand that. So, the vibe is good. I mean, everyone's up-tempo. You know, we're all smiling happy but we're as well as we're focused and ready that we and realize that we need to take it one day at a time one game at a time one week at a time you know because it's still the nfl you know regardless all only good teams are left so it's going to be it's going to be tough games every every week and nothing's going to be given nothing's going to be easy so we obviously understand we're in a really good position but we also understand like it's gonna it's gonna take every ounce of energy that we have talk to us a little bit about you know, having that one seed, the home field advantage, even though, of course, there's no fans yet. We may see some in the playoffs um, potentially, but for now there's no fans. So that obviously diminishes things. But of course, everybody knows about the frozen tundra, the the cold, the snow, the weather. How do you guys embrace that? And, and what do you think that is uh, for teams coming in to, to have to play you guys in the playoffs? 
I mean, let's be honest, playing in the cold is tough for for anybody. So I mean, the fact that we get to be at home and we get to we get like we're used to it. So there are a lot of teams that are still playing, like they're warm they're warm they're located in warm places. So you have to come through Lambo in the cold with no fans and try and beat us on our home field. Like that's that's not easy because I mean, playing in the cold, <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> it definitely yeah. hurts. Like when you hit the ground, when you get tackled, anything, it hurts. So the fact that you have to come and kind of have to get ready for it mentally and physically, like it could take a toll. It could take a toll on you. And we're kind of used to it, so we're trying to use that as an advantage. Yeah, yeah. You look around. You look around the NFC teams from Tampa, LA, uh, Seattle, New Orleans. They play in a dome. It's it's definitely not. It's not something they want to do. I'm sure. Uh, that's gonna do it here, Dominique. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, and uh, good luck throughout the playoff run. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks, Dominique. It was great having you. Yeah, appreciate it. That was great stuff. He's a he's a he's a cool guy. He's got a high character. He's he seems like a guy that everybody respects around the building, including you know he's getting respect from some of the best players in football, um, and as well as the head coach too, who's super excited to have him. Uh, I you know he's a great guy. It was a great interview. Great to talk to him, and I'm excited about what he could do for this team in that H back role, that F role as Matt Lafleur likes to call it. So I'm excited for for him, and of course I'm excited for where this team is headed. He could be a real weapon down the stretch. I mean, we we saw some flashes of what Josiah DeGuara could have done in this offense before he got hurt, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe LaFleur gets more and more creative with uh, our friend Daphne, friend of the pod. Yeah, yeah, I, he is now. And, and I think that, you know, we haven't seen that H-back role really get utilized in the passing game much. And for him to catch a touchdown against Chicago was was a pretty big deal for him and, and obviously for what we want to do on offense. So, yeah, it's, it's exciting stuff, and it was great to talk to him. It was, and uh, it was great talking to you, Brown, as it always is. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. That's going to do it for the podcast. Uh, be back next week. We'll be previewing um, the Bucks, the football team, the Bears, or or the Rams. We'll, we'll see. It's going to be a fun weekend of football, super wildcard weekend. I like how they're promoting it, a super wildcard weekend. Uh, but – that's going to do it. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, go Pack Go. Thanks for talking with me, Griffin. Enjoy uh, enjoy the bye week, everybody. Go Pack Go.